Here we go. We're back for another episode of Trash Talk. I'm here with my main men, Corey Homicide-Williams and Mark Worthington. Now, the fever break. There hasn't been too much NBL action, and I don't really think we want to talk about the boomers smacking the basketball powerhouses Iran and Qatar. <laughs> I really got no time for that shit. We do, on the other hand, have a special guest here today. Two-time NBA All-Star, the original bearded one, all you James Harden bandwagon fans. This was the original beard over here. Don't Baron. Get the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Baron Davis. Yeah, yeah, Baron, yo, welcome to Melbourne. Yo, thank you, man. I'm happy to be here. This is, this is fly. Now, definitely fly. Now, you know, um, we have a little history, and I want to go back. Uh-oh. You know, and um, first of all, it's a pleasure having you here. You know, the world always takes people sometimes in full circle. So yeah. for us to be on the other side of the world doing this is really dope. That's you know, big. That's super huge. We're in Australia. Now I want to start we in with Melbourne, Australia. We in Melbourne. Let's, you know, first let's, of all, let's, let's talk let's, about that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let's 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 dive all the way down into the GPS. We in Melbourne, Australia. So are we in Brunswick? Nah, we yeah, are in the city. Okay, we we in the city. We in the heart of the city. Okay. So is this your first time in Melbourne? This is my second time in Melbourne. Um, the first time I came, I came for the Goodwill Games, uh, shit back in 2000 something. That was, uh, that was a long time time ago. Uh, but that was the first time I, I, I've been to Melbourne and, you know, we had a good time. I was, you know, with a bunch of NBA guys. So, you know, ate good, uh, played casino practice. It It was a good time. So what, what, what are you doing right now in Melbourne? What brings you back to Melbourne? Uh, what brings me back to Melbourne is really now uh, launching my platform. So I have a platform called Slick Sports Lifestyle and Culture. And basically it's an insider's view uh, on production and content, you know, from the person, uh, from the athlete, from the artist, you know, looking at storytelling from our point of view, from our perspective, kind of like a lot like this show, right? You know, we wanted to highlight athletes, entrepreneurs, uh, everybody in the space of, you know, music entertainment and bring that all on the platform. So launching Slick Australia, because I feel like, you know, Australia is a country that has culture, a lot of culture and, and, and really from a sports perspective, a lot of time get under-recognized. So we want to uh, bring our platform here so we can build that bridge from Australia to the U.S., you dig? That's super dope. Where though? Well, you said... You like coming to Melbourne. Yeah, you might not know this, but Melbourne is known as the sporting capital of the world. Okay, see. Yeah. See? So you're, <laughs> so you're hey, coming. Hey, you're in the right I'm place. I'm here for a reason. <laughs> you're in the right I'm place. I'm definitely here for a reason. I came all the way over here for a reason. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like the city. It's a good vibe. You know, a lot of sports people. Um, you know, uh, the food is good. Uh, sports teams are great here. Uh, the energy is crazy. You know, it's uh, the tech community is booming. You know, and, and my homies here, my dogs is here. So Casper, where Junior play, uh, you know, Melbourne. Got Homicide here. Kenny Bruner, shout out to Kenny Bruner. He here, one of my childhood friends, LA legend. Um, you know, a dude I grew up being compared to and compared with a lot, and and you know, he propelled me to to really like take his personality with me to the NBA. So, you know, it, it is definitely a, a culture here and, and we want to tap into it. So this will be the only Australian basketball question we'll ask because after this, we're just telling fucking stories. Right. That's the way it's going to be. <laughs> right. 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 What do you know about Australian basketball and what have you heard about? Obviously, you said you've got a few friends here. What do you know about the Australian Basketball League and the NBL? Uh... I'm not going to lie, I don't know a lot. Uh, you know, I watch my homeboys play. I know it's competitive. Uh, I know it's a great league. You know, you got a lot of guys now from Australia. I think 10 guys from Australia in the NBA, and you got guys that played in the NBA now playing in the, in the NBL. Uh, for me, I, you know, I like hoop. I like basketball, uh, basketball all over the country. So, you know, just trying to get more and more uh, acquainted, you know, and a deeper dive into, into the sports, the sports landscape here. If you do want to learn a little bit more about the league, Brisbane have just fired their import, so they've got an open spot there. It might not <laughs> hey, be your usual on, bank that you hey, used hey, to, bro, come but on, there's a spot. There's yeah. a spot open. Please sign me up. Hey, I, hey, you don't have to ask me to hoop. You don't have to ask me to hoop. I'm a hooper. You know how we do, right. dog. It's like, right. man, you want to hoop? Let's go get How it. much money you got? We can play some one-on-one for right. some money, dog. <laughs> hey, come on. If I got to say, I'm probably lot, not putting my hey, money on man, that one. one, twos, it don't matter. Right. Sign me up, Brisbane. I Let's know there's go. definitely three dudes at this table that think they can win. 
You ain't one of them, Fields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a realist. I'm a realist. <laughs> all right, so we're going to go all the way back. One of the kings of L.A., a respected, this is a G here. What a G is is a man. A you talking man. about Baron or you talking about me? Talking about BD <laughs> in L.A., right? So in, in America, but we're talking about L.A. since he's from there in Cali. Talk to me about growing up in Compton. How was it? Uh, South Central. So it's right, different. L.A. is different. You got Compton, wise South Central. And, you know, that kind of make up the east side. And, uh, you know, when you watch the riots, or if you remember anything about the riots, the whole east side was burnt up, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and just growing up in, you know, kind of gang, gang-infested gang communities, drug-infested communities, a lot of PTSD. You know, uh, you just see so much that... You don't even and I, I, like it, it's almost like normal, right? Uh, and then like, unfortunately, uh, yeah, shit is and, regular. Uh, yeah, it's like the most regular shit ever, and you almost become numb to it. And so I think like a part of that, like growing up, is like when you watch TV, you know what I mean, or you watch basketball. It's like an escape, and you like, yo, this is like it's not even the real world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when you watch it on TV because the reality you live in is just so it is it, just crazy and the conditions are harsh there's no opportunity you don't you know you can't even see yourself going 10 blocks away from your house let alone getting a job you know what I mean and like if you look in a 10 block radius where where you you know where you can find to pretty much ain't no damn jobs you know what I mean so you know you living in you living in a community and you live in in, in circumstances that don't that don't breed success, you know what I mean? And, and is not manufacturing or seeding success. So, you know, it was tough, but you. But the thing that binds you is that love, right? You don't have shit. So all you got is love. Is each other. Whatever, yeah, <laughs> you got each other. So whatever, right. you know, whatever it is, you you kind of you got to leave with your heart because your dollars ain't there. No you know doubt. what I mean? And so you got to be smart. You got to be calculated. You know what I mean? You got to think survival and you got to trust your instincts. And I think, you know, it, it kind of builds a different pedigree of person, you know, because, you know, you know, they say people like us who come from the east side, we hella passionate. You know right, what I mean? And right. and the only reason why we passionate is because we appreciate we're appreciative of like each and every situation. You know what I mean? Good or bad. I think. A lot of people in Australia definitely don't understand the hardship stories that go on over there. Who was the best player that you knew that didn't make it? And what Kenny was Broner. His... Yep. Kenny Broner. T tell us the story about Kenny. Man, Kenny Broner is a documentary. Me and Kenny Broner grew up uh, playing against each other from the time we was in sixth grade. Uh, he was always the number one point guard in high school. He he took out Oak Hill Academy as a freshman and became the number one point guard for Dominguez High, you know, from ninth, 10th, 11th, our senior year, 12th. Um, you know, he was uh, Dominguez, the number one team in the country. And, um, you know, I think he he wound up going to Georgetown, uh, leading, the, leading the league in steals as a freshman in steals and assists. But, you know, it was like growing up, coming from L.A. and 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 he was from Con like he from South Central but he went to school in Compton so it was like a tell people like, tell he people like a about double whammy <laughs> yeah. like tell a, people how real hey, Compton hey, is it's like a double double whammy like Compton like South Central like the wild wild west but Compton is like all like mafia business right and so even even politics all the way down to the high school like the gang culture is infested in every sense of fabric in Compton and so a kid like Kenny growing up in South Central going to a school in Compton being from one hood going to another hood like he had to wear so much armor and he had to fight fight like I went to Crossroads so I only had to fight when I came home, right? When I went to a private school, I didn't have, like my fight was a different fight. I had to fight to push the fact that being a young black kid, right, from South Central, I'm not dumb. I'm not, you know, it's like all the all the more cerebral things. His things were more like anxiety infested, right? And more survival instincts. And I think, you know, after Georgetown, he fell on some hardships at Fresno State. Um, you know, got arrested, went to jail, spent some time in jail, came back out of jail, went and played on the And One tour, uh, then came here, played in Australia, and found a home, right? And, you know, here's a dude that, you know, growing up in L.A., like, if you would have saw us both in 11th grade or at the start of our senior year, you would have been like, he's better, You right? would have been watching him yeah, on TV. Yeah, for sure. You wouldn't have hey, yeah. watched him on TV. 
You just been watching him on TV like yeah. you watched him. Like, yeah. yo. I mean, he should have played. He should have had a 10, 10, you know, 10 year NBA career. Just based on his talent, his smarts, the way he knew how to play. I mean, to me, you know, it's uh, people like Rondo. And I, I mean, you know, to me, Kenny Bruner better, just as good, if not better than Rondo, you know. And so, uh, Playing against dudes like that and being around dudes like that and having our lives so parallel and connected and still to this day, you know, people in L.A. still compare me and Kenny. Who was the best point guard in L.A.? Kenny, BD. We was at dinner last night, me, him, and uh, Casper Ware, me, Kenny Bruner, and Casper Ware. And, you know, he just shout out at the table. I'm the best at the table. I'm the best point guard at the table. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how you get like down. That's how you get down. That's how you get down. And then, you know, I don't say nothing. And Cavs don't say nothing. Because it's like, man, I'm not about to argue with this man because he got more wins. Like, right. head to head, <laughs> head to head, he got more wins. And so I don't want to hear it. You right. know what I mean? But, you know, just a great player. I think, you know, uh, extremely smart. Uh, and I think uh, the circumstances, like, you know, it's like you don't have a community of people to help you right. fucking navigate, right? right? And so when you're 19, 20, you know, 20 years old, you fight. Everything is a fight. You have to protect yourself. There's nobody to protect you. And people are always trying to take advantage of you. And so when you are leading with your emotions, with your heart on your sleeve, and you trying to make it to do something great for everybody, then when people get in the way, man, you 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 know, you lash out. Like the Compton, yeah. the South Central gonna come it out. Gonna of come you. out. The worst sure. thing. Yeah. I went to a, a food kitchen like with uh LMU last year. Right. And we went to Compton. Oh yeah. I ain't seen no <laughs> shit like that before, I can tell you. Like, that was a shock to my system. Yeah. Like, right. you, you hear things, right. but then you actually go there and see it. Yeah. It's a whole different ball game. Now, yeah. with you saying that, the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, we're close in age, and me from New York, you from out there in L.A. Yeah. Let's talk about the whole East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. You know, music. Yep. You know, obviously, Pac is out there, Snoop, Death Row is at the yeah, height. Yeah. And, you know, on our side, obviously, we are bad boy, right? Yeah. For me, in New York, at that time, that shit just took a a, 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 a war of its own. Like, yeah. it just went to a world of its own, some yeah. completely different level. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you know, I'm, I'm probably in high school, freshman year in college, and... I would hear stories about, like, I wouldn't go to L.A. That's not when you're going to L.A. <laughs> L.A. cats, they ain't coming to New York. Like, it's a problem at that time. How was it on the ground there for, like, East Coast guys going to L.A.? Uh, I, you know, I was in high school, I think. I was, like, just beginning high school when, when the whole Pac and Biggie thing got. But it was just active. You know what I mean? It was, like, it, it was just gang activity. It was active. And it starts spilling into the music business. And, you know, it was just like, you know, you sitting you sitting back watching the news, reading the papers. It wasn't Instagram and Twitter. Beefs couldn't get just squashed, you know what I mean, just like on the day. So, you know, you can't even find a person you beefing with, let alone, you know, know where they at. <laughs> you don't right? know. And so that right there leads to a lot of hostility, miscommunication, and I think that was the ultimate shakedown in the whole Pac Biggie thing was you got a bunch of dudes that's rah-rah and want to prove themselves to get something, to gain something, or to be respected by people that they don't even know or know them. You know, when you're in L.A., man, it's just like, I always say L.A. is the land of hella haters, and I know I can, I'm going to get backlash, <laughs> but I can say that, you know what I mean? Right. Because... Man, you know, just with the gangs and stuff, is just, you never know, right? It's it, it, Growing up in a gang, like, the mentality is, oh, that's BD. If I kill BD, I'm a... I move up. I'm a god, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or if I kill somebody that, you know, and so, they, like, that don't make no sense. You know, I mean, in, this, in war it does, but we're not really at war, and so that mentality is just, you know, just an overall sick mentality, you know what I mean? Now time's passed with that. Who's had the bigger influence in the NBA culture? Uh, LA for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's yeah. a fact. You know, it was uh, when I when and then after the Pac Biggie stuff, then I came on, and then I was like, yo, when I got to the NBA, I was like, man, forget all this East Coast West Coast beef. I'm bringing. LA to New York. We're going to stop this. We're going to bridge the gap. And, you know, from the gap from uh, Hoop 
and music. So I took Game, the rapper the Game. I brought him to New York for the first time. I brought 50 dudes to the Rucker Park from we LA. Into all of that. Man, uh, brought 50 dudes to the Rucker. Right. When we was getting down at right. the Rucker, then the next year it was like 200 dudes from LA and it just starts to become this like this unification between like two coasts, you know what I mean? And I felt just as a kid watching that that I had a I had a responsibility being from the streets, but also being smart enough to understand what basketball could do to really bridge that gap, you know, and and LA and New York already had we you know like in high school I remember playing against Riverside Church. Right. Ron Artest, uh Elton Brand. I think you guys um, bought Metal World Pace. Panda's friend he's got one of them. You know, Eric Barkley played in the league. They right. had four guys that played in the NBA on the AAU squad. And uh, they hadn't lost in like two years, and so when New York kind like showed up to the gym in LA, they had like their Wu Tang hats. Oh, I was fly. It was right. laid out, and we wound up beating them. But you know, at that point, it was like all about New York, all about New York. And for me, you know, and and just you know, my uh, comrades, we was just really pushing like West Coast hoop because we like. Just like New York dudes, we really do it. Right. And just right. like how New York dudes are, we really like that. It's our it's more of a in LA it's more of a lifestyle. Right? You don't go and play basketball. You are like you are a, it's the lifestyle. Right. You know what I mean? It's like your whole dress. Like you will know if somebody in LA hoop because that's the rhythm of the city. That's the way we dress. That you know, and like people start to come about and really start to like adopt. The lifestyle, you right. know what I mean? It's like every day. I'm not just going to hoop. Like, I don't care if you're in the NBA in L.A., right? You, you right. know that when you come no to doubt. L.A. Now, you can be in the NBA or playing the Drew. Like, it don't matter. Like, you just basketball famous just because it's, it's, it's just your vibe, your energy. I'd imagine it would be a little bit more competitive than our games than we had in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. All right, so I want to go into the league a little bit. Mm-hmm. You jumped on the scene, you got drafted by Charlotte, right? You're mm -hmm. playing with the Hornets. Tell me about your relationship with Paul Silas and what did he do for What did he mean to you? Uh, Paul Silas, he was like the father figure I never had, right? So, you know, he was a, uh, like, it was like a love-hate relationship. Uh, as a rookie, I didn't, I didn't start. Uh, I hated him for that. <laughs> I, I'm, still, I'm still mad at him for that. Who started over you? David Wesley. Yeah. Uh, so David Wesley, Eddie Jones, uh, Anthony Mason, Derek Coleman, and El El Eldon Campbell. And they played Mason at the point forward. So that was really like one of the first times you saw somebody like a Draymond Green really playing point guard. And, uh, you know, I thought I was going to start that year, man, but I wind up didn't start. I wind up not starting. And uh, I remember staying in Charlotte. Uh, for two months and I ain't go home and everybody's like yo you alright done like something happened I'm like nah I'm working on my game and Paul Silas forced me to like really work on my jump shot and I remember when I went back home like not only was I working on my jump shot but just my hops everything and I was just like I was a man possessed after that I was just like anytime I got on the court I was going to make sure not only did I embarrass you I put on a show and I made sure that after the game you had nothing to do but be my best friend because you ain't want to see me no more. At, you know what I mean? On right, the court. Right. And I remember uh, that summer, David Wesley, he called me and he was like, yo, dog, I'm hearing about what you're doing out, out here all the way in Charlotte. I was like, hell yeah, I'm coming for your fucking head. No <laughs> doubt. I'm coming for your right, head. Right. He was like, no, nah, man, just, you know, I got you. And he was just, as a veteran, I was like, for me, that's what made, I think made me a good veteran. As a veteran, usually it's like, you got a guy who's going in the prime, you know, he's he's facing the prime of his career, probably his last deal, last his, his first last big deal. And he was like, yo, man, I just want to be here. You know what I mean? I want to be here, rock with you. I don't want to get traded and nothing, nothing like that. Let's just, you know, whatever you need for me. And he flew out like the next week, worked out with me as a vet. You know, and the whole time I'm thinking like, you know, it's a competition right, thing. Right. That was the first time like somebody like that like kind of like embraced it. Yeah. He, you know what I mean? But he ain't really had no choice. And when he came out there, he 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 was killing too. Yeah. But he realized like, okay, it's time for me to give it right. to him. He knew. And then we wind up starting uh, ne the next year together. Yeah, so right. Me and David Wesley in the back. Right. You go from Charlotte to Golden State. Talk to me about the shit show when you walked in there day one because oh, I've man. heard you talk about this before. <laughs> I want to hear the shit no, show like, that yeah, was right. Golden State. Man, it was like... Uh, 
it was like a bunch of dead corpse, right? Like, it wasn't even like. I want, to, I want to actually hear about Montgomery first. Oh, Mike Montgomery. <laughs> Mike Montgomery is like a, uh, he like a PE teacher. You know what I mean? Right. He ain't like no, <laughs> ain't no basketball coach to me. You know what right, I mean? He ain't right, no basketball right. coach. You right. Know? Mike Montgomery is like uh, like a PE teacher, like a professor who like you know got the job. Got the job. Yeah, I, was, I, was like, I don't respect you. Yeah, you just got the job. And so it was like uh, when I got there, it was crazy because like literally it was like dudes was like the Walking Dead, right? <laughs> Jay Rich was hurt. You got Troy Murphy had just got paid. Mm. Mike Dunleavy was struggling. They hadn't like. Literally, like they were like had like they six or seven losing season, and you know when I walked in, I was like, "Shit, man! Like, what the fuck I'm supposed to do? This is what you got. Yo, this is what you got. Like, they don't even want to hoop. Right. Like, they don't even know. Like, yo, we hoop. We hoop. Right. We hoopers. Damn. First, first and foremost, and then like, you know, I I, I remember when I got traded. As soon as I played, when I uh, came off the bench, first game. Got there, people that motherfucking stood up and gave me a standing ovation. I was mm. like, what the fuck? Got in, balled. And then after that, you know, uh, once I started, I think we won like nine games in a row, which was bad because it saved Mike Montgomery's fucking job. job. God damn, dude. Man, fucked us up the whole next season. <laughs> <laughs> fucked us up the whole. It literally saved his job. I get player of the week. I come, I get player of the week, back to back player of the weeks. And then, like, they like, yo, all the Warriors look good. Like, you know, we rejuvenated. And, you know, Mike Montgomery went in and negotiated his ass another year, <laughs> which he should have got fired. You know what I mean? And right. it just, like, kind of, like, set us back. Because then you got Derek Fisher came in with his, you know, whatever he was on. Uh, <laughs> Elaborate on that one. Yeah. Combination, <laughs> bing, bing. Yeah, right, you know. right. But Derek Fisher came in, and then they they didn't know what to do with you know Fisher. And then we had Calvert Chain. We had some, we had a we had a mix of veterans and young guys and like draftees. And it was just like, yo, this shit is not gonna work, yo. Uh, how was your relationship with Al Harrington and Stephen Jackson? That's my Jackson? dog. Yeah. So when we traded, like Chris Mullen came to me, it was like, yo, just bear with me, dog. He was just like, what do you think about you know trading for Stephen Jackson? Now I said, hell yeah, right. <laughs> what? They're my brothers. They're my right. dogs. Right. I know what I'm getting. Right. Right. I know right. what I'm getting with them. And I remember when they got there, we traded for them. Everybody, everything was like, man, we was hugging Steven Jackson. Crazy enough. Steven Jackson that just uh, was in the hospital because he had, he had got into a shootout in uh, Indiana. Right? right. So it was just like, right. I got a bad reputation from New Orleans. You know, they getting traded. Everybody, and everybody just really had like bad reputations. Right. Bro. So, and when we got together, it was like, shit, dog, like, we hanging out, we homies. It was like, yeah, we all on the same team, but we was losing. Yeah, I get hurt, um, I get hurt, and then the team start losing. And Nelly basically like, yo, I'm giving up on the season, and I was like, nah, I'm coming back. So I come back, um, and then we wind up winning like maybe twenty of the last twenty four games, mm -hmm. and going into the playoffs. But it was just like a team who, like, at one point, it was like, yo, if we're gonna party, let's make the fucking court our fucking dance floor, right? Let's right. make the court the club, yo. So even if we lose every game, no matter what, let's just go out. Go Nobody cares. Coach done gave, you know, Coach said it was over. He gave up on us. Like, the best thing we can do is just work on our chemistry. And, like, if shit, if shit turn around, it turn around. But right. at least we gonna rock out. Man, and we went ham. Right. We went ham. Everybody understood. I think at that point, everybody was like, yo, I can say whatever I want to you. Right, and if you get an attitude or whatnot, no, it don't. I don't care because right. we boys. Right, right. It's bigger. It's than like just it's working deeper together. now. Yeah. It's starting to be deeper than just being teammates. Right. You know what I mean? Because you really got that love, and I'm going to war with this dude. Right. And I remember Steven Jackson and I were like the captains, and I would know going into every game what I would have to do based on the way he was playing. Right. 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 And so he became my like we became that in sync. That right. Energy, as, that chemistry, as, the alignment. As point guards, right? And right. then I knew what I was gonna get out of Monte. I knew what Jay Rich was gonna give me, right? right? But like Steven Jackson was like my key because he was my other brain. Right. Right. If he could if he start the game and getting everybody involved and doing what he doing, right. 
Oh, I'm, I can I'm go going. off. I'm, I'm the going. mismatch. Right, right, yeah. I'm going. Right. right, right. If he start off on fire, you know what you I mean? Play your I'm other position. You Yeah, and I would I would know when I needed to get 15, when I needed to get 30, if I needed to like take over and do some, you know what I mean? So right. I could I could I could fall back, you know what I mean? Or I could take charge. Right. And I think that's what everybody start figuring it out that okay, we got three dudes on this team that can go for 40 like in the blink of an eye. Monte Al, Jason Richardson. At any night, them dudes can have 40, and you wouldn't even know it. Right. You know what I mean? And then you got me, Steven Jackson, who are more so like the going to be more more consistent, you know what I mean, the stabilizers. And you got like Petrius and people like that that can right. fuck around and get 20. Right. If you hit a couple threes, threes and get out right, here. And so right. it was just like we. I was, I was calculating and banking on all that shit. Right. So every time we went to the game, I'd be like, okay, we got 120 points. We can get to 120. Ain't nobody in this league going to be able to beat us because right. at that time wasn't nobody scoring like that. So every game I was set to 120. So after the first quarter – I I pretty much could predict what the final score or what the final numbers that range of numbers was going to be in the game, and so I just start trying to work and manipulate. If we down right. twenty, it's like damn, let's get to fifteen at halftime. Right. Let's get to eleven by the third quarter. Let's get to six by the four minute mark. Once we get to six, you up six. Here I got go. a chance. Right, I got a chance. I got a chance on the road. You know right. what I mean? Right. And so, you know, just like I don't know, I was just like a geek about just about the numbers and like the way that way the rhythm and the flow of the game work. So okay, let's go into that playoff series when you did the upset. What was the monster game one? What was the what was the monster before game one, you know, okay. We was we, we knew we was gonna win. Okay. Talk to me about all that. How 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 did you know you were gonna win that series? Okay, so we had beat Dallas five games in a row. Okay. Right? Be, let's take it before the series. We beat Dallas five games in a row. Four of those games were with Mike Dunleavy, Troy, <laughs> Troy Murphy. So with the dead with the squad, ball, yeah, with the, with the dead squad. With the dead squad, right? <laughs> right? With the dead squad. One of those games, I ain't even, I, I think I I think I was sick. I ain't show up. Uh, I think I missed a, missed a game on the road. We still beat them. Still beat them. So we beat them, we beat them four times in a row. The fifth time we beat them, it was with our new squad. So right. it was like, yo, we got we number. beat them, we was like, yo, we can like we can beat them. We got we were a little nervous because remember they were they played the Clippers, right? They played they Wolves against the Clippers to right. beat the Clippers because they want the Clippers out the playoffs. Got you because they didn't want to match up with the Clippers because they were too big. Why is that? Because playoffs is about what matchups. Matchups. Perf Wildcats is losing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing yeah. I'm gonna say. Playoffs is about matchups. Matchups. That's what it's match about. Matchups. 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 Fuck match-ups. out of here, man. No, don't get. Let's go. Let's yeah. go back. Matchups. No, it's a matchups. Matchups. It's matchups. Go ahead, man. And that's why Dallas, because you got you got Elton Brand, Chris Kamen, uh, Corey Maggette, uh Catino, Mo, squad, Sam, Sam Cassell. When you look at that squad, you like shit. I dude. don't want to see them. They <laughs> big. Right. They physical. They veterans. They gonna walk. You know. They gonna right. walk. It's gonna be a harder. First round for us, and you got to think, Dallas went, just went to the championship. They should have won, but they lost, I think. Right. And, like, they had won, like, 70-some, 60-some games. So the Clippers, matchup-wise, was, like, the team that was going to get, like, that could potentially take them to seven games. We were a terrible matchup for them, right? So when they tanked, like when they tanked the game, we had beat the shit out of them for the sixth time in a row, right? Right, and that was like, oh, okay, Dallas didn't show up, so right. we kind of took offense, like, yo, because we rolling. If we get this game, if we win the Dallas game, we can damn near write our ticket now because we leapfrogged the Clippers, and now we just can't lose, right? So we can write our ticket. So we nervous as fuck because we playing the number one team in the, the league. league, right? Man, when they told us they they players weren't playing, they set they set some dudes out. You already know what we was doing in the no locker doubt. room. We were hot. Disrespect. I've, nev- I've never been so upset in my life. I was like, yo, y'all ain't gonna take us out. Right. Y'all gonna play us like that? Y'all ain't gonna take us out? Okay, we about to whoop y'all ass, and I hope to God we make it to the playoffs. Right. Huh? I hope to God we make it to the playoffs. Right. Because who is this? like who are you sitting over there, dog, watching me? Like right. you don't what? No respect. You don't want to take me out, homie. Okay. Okay. I got your I got your number, dog. Right. And so that before that first game, 
I never forget Don Nelson said, look, man, whatever you do, praise him in the media. Don't say nothing. We're going to kick their ass. Here's how we do it. He knew Dirk Nowinski. He knew Josh Howard. He knew their whole team because he coached he them coached before. Them. Right. So he gave us the game plan, and he was like, yo, we are going to beat their ass. Only thing I'm telling you guys, do not, and I repeat, do not talk shit in the, in media. the media. Do not just praise them, praise them. Just be like, oh, we got lucky. And so that became like our whole strategy, man. When we went into game one, it was like, yo, it's, it, once we got game one, it was like, oh, we going to beat the we shit. Got we, we got them. <laughs> We got their number. Right. Right? Because after the game, it was just like, oh, we lucky. Everybody's like, oh, that was just luck. Right. First game jitters. Game two, we came out. I think we uh they beat us. Right. Right? But that's the game I got kicked out. Steven Jackson got kicked. Man, we got <laughs> right. kicked out for some bullshit. Right. Real shit. We right. got kicked out. I got kicked out for clapping, dog. Telling my teammates, <laughs> yo, it's all right. I know how it's going. We cool. We still close. He was like, boop, you out. Mm. Kicked us out the game. So game Which three. Which referee was it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the gambling dude. It was probably it was Joey Crawford. <laughs> it, it was Joey Crawford. Because, you know, Joey just had, he's, he's just, Joey, that's Joey. Joey, 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 Joey. And then game three, we beat the shit out of him. Game four was a struggle. We won. Game five, it was almost like, all right, y'all going to win this, but y'all don't want to come back to Oracle for game six. But, that was the series where we kind of like knew we was going to win. And it was like no doubt in our mind that we were going to beat them. You know what I mean? But we had, you know, like when you down 30 at halftime and you make one of the greatest comebacks, right? Yeah. And you you poised to like, you get into overtime, you fuck around, go to double overtime, you right. lose by five. Because right. what? You ran out of gas. You ran out of gas. And that's what happened. I think we gassed ourselves as much as we can could going into that playoff series. And, you know, we was hurt, we was wounded, but, like, we made it. And once we made it, it was like, shit, we belong here. Right. And then, like, after that, you know, Utah beat us up, and we lost a couple couple games in Utah just based on some mental shit. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mental fatigue. We could, we didn't, we weren't able to turn the key and lock, you know, lock up, lock in as much as we needed for that next round. Now, I want to jump into, um, you do a lot. Outside of the game, you do a lot for LA, the culture, for a lot of people, talk to me about the philanthropy side of BD. Uh, just, this is this is important yeah. stuff right here. We're solving problems, right? I believe that sports solves problems. Sports is a ultimate peace peace mechanism, right? How, how how do we know each other? Basketball. How do we become brothers? I love for the same thing. So when you can uh, manifest on love and find uh, a commonality, you know uh, that's sports. When you go to any sporting event. You know what I mean? You can go to a fucking Alabama football game, dog. You can go to Ole Miss football game, right? It's still diverse, and they don't give a shit who's the quarterback or not as long as they win it. Right. Right? And so sports is the opportunity to solve problems because you can get into the heart, the emotion, the fabric of the city, of the place that's causing the problem, and through sports you can really bring people together. And so I use that as my theme. And, you know, from that, from the Drew League, giving the Drew League a platform and investing in the Drew to investing in players and, and, you know, just, you know, companies, education. I think sports, education uh, and the arts are the things that I'm most passionate about and also just helping young entrepreneurs. Right. Um, now that I'm, you know, successful, uh, semi successful, I guess, in business now. Uh, no, you, that's <laughs> you can say it. Uh, you no need to be modest. Yeah, it's you can good to it. give back. You know, it's right. good to give back. And right. I think, uh, you know, the, um, giving back is about learning and growing and understanding and, you know, always investing in that next generation, man. It's like that, that's who's going to continue to power us. So whatever I'm learning, I'm trying to give back and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to accelerate that, you know, whoever's behind me, I'm trying to accelerate their growth. All right, like you said, you brought game. Tell me about your relationship with superstar rapper game and how did Black Wall Street actually become? Because uh, I heard you, you, you're you the founder of Black Wall Street. So I just want to hear, <laughs> talk to me about Black Wall no, Street I just, game. Uh, I think with game, you know, game, another dude from L.A., grew up playing basketball, and when I found out he was rapping, uh, I was actually in New Orleans, and I was uh, 
I was like, all right, I'm about to put him on, you know, and I'm going to do, I'm going to use my brand, I'm going to use sports as a way to market him. And not a lot of people were, were taking rap and marketing through sports stars. And so what I did was I did like a series of camps, invited all the college dudes out, and, you know, after the end of the camp, I gave them a bunch of like Guy Game t-shirts, Black Wall Street t-shirts, you know, so then when you go, when you go to back to school, you the man on campus, you rocking the Black Wall Street, you rocking the Guy Game, everybody on campus is going to be like, yo, who is that? What is that shirt? And then I start sending shirts, you know, to all the top dogs, you know, uh, Alan Anderson, that was at Michigan State, just like lacing them with gear and right. shit. And, um, you know, with that, it was just like, man, we, we we starting a movement. And for me, it was like this was my first time really, like, being in charge, you know, and having creative control to, like, do stuff and, like, and, and, and push something forward, right? And so with the Black Wall Street, I just love what it stood for, love what it meant. And for me, it meant, you know, it meant everything that was supposed to me. You know, I think for, for the rappers, it was more so a, a good brand and a label, you know, but... I was looking at the Black Wall Street as an opportunity to enterprise and like to build a camaraderie with, you know, just young athletes coming up. So I had them on the move from the time they was in in college, you know, thinking about how to invest and how to build a rapper. And so when they saw they saw me with game and and, and helping him build that and all that, you know, they were uh, that got me a lot of credibility in music, too. Um, and then after a while, I think game and I just kind of like parted. We had separate visions, you know what I mean? And I was uh, smart enough to, you know, go and start building my own uh, enterprise. And, uh, you know, I think he, he he's done what he's done. But, you know, that, that kind of first step in the music on my own, you know, helped me come to the conclusion of where I am with Slick. It's taking sports and music and entertainment and mashing that shit up because we all are of the same culture, right? Right. I just want to jump in with, because we're in December, it's Christmas time. Talk to us about Black Santa. Right. And what yeah. that. Uh, now I got to stop cussing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I created Black Santa. Uh, I was at, uh, I was, I think I hurt my knee. I was done. I was in New York. I was done. And my friends was like, yo, you got to get out. And I was like, man, I can't do nothing. I'm just depressed. I was hella depressed. And it was a Halloween party, and they were like, "Oh, you got to go, you got to go." And I was like, "Man, I I'm, I had every excuse in the book." And then I, the the best excuse was, and I didn't I didn't have a Halloween outfit, right? <laughs> and it was like, "Man, you got something, put something together, you creative." So, dude, as soon as I opened the closet, it just so happened it's a Santa outfit. <laughs> Duh, it was crazy. What is a Santa outfit doing no, in your what closet? What is a Santa outfit doing <laughs> in my closet? I swear. I cannot make this up, dude. It's like, yo, what I'm aware. Who oh, bought be that? a hobo? Uh, man, I think I had had it. I think I had had it from like a Christmas. You know, I had dressed up like I'd Santa. Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, you know, like, I like, like, wearing my, like, like, I, wa I wa always wanted to be a mascot. Like deep down inside, dog. <laughs> like deep down inside, I always want to be a mascot, right? Because it's like I can't do the shit I want to do or say what I want to say, you know, as right. Baron Davis. Right. But if I was a mascot, dog, oh I man, I can give so much. I can give so much people joy. You know what I mean? And I could be silly and right. fun, and nobody would care. Right. And so that was that Santa suit, and I was like, damn, dude, I'm about to wear this Santa suit. And I wore the Santa suit. And it was this big Hollywood party, dude. I'm That's what we definitely going to get into after that. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Uh, so it was a big hol holiday party, and, like, a bunch of Hollywood people was there. And I was there in my Santa suit, like, grumpy as hell. Like, you know, my knee hurt. <laughs> right. And I just went and found a good spot. And I was just sitting there, and I was like, damn, dude, my Percocet going to wear off. My knee is, you know, like, when you having surgery like that, you can't mm -hmm. even... So I was like, man, I'm just waiting to like take my painkiller so I can just breathe. Right. And I found a spot, you know, I was waiting, waiting, took my painkiller, finally got a chance to relax. And people start randomly like coming up to me like all happy and shit, sitting and like sitting on my lap, asking me questions. I'm like, yo, what's going on? And I look up, it's a fortune teller. There's a, a tarot card reader. There's a green screen. And then there's Black Santa, me, right? So everybody think I'm a part of the festivities, right? Oh, so you can take a picture with Santa. And I'm like, nah. And then they walk up, yo, it's BD. Like, BD, this is the best costume. I was like, yo, I got to go get this trademark. Right. Like, this is crazy. Right. And so the next day, I was just like, start looking on the internet. 
and searching Black Santa, searching Black Santa, and everything that came up was just a negative image, right? right. And I was like, damn, I need to like, I need to own this, right? right? If, uh, just to hold it, if not anything. And when I when I, I when I trade, I call my uh, my business business partner. I was like, yo, I need to trademark Black Santa, and he was like, man, are you out of your mind? That's like the most untrademarkable thing you could ever like try to trademark. I was like, why not? He was like, it's probably gone. I was like, well, it's probably not. Right. I bet you a hundred bucks that we can get it. And he called back an hour later. He was like, dude, I'll you $200. This is like crazy. <laughs> and so I trademarked it. And the thought was that, you know, I was going to just hold it. Right. Because I, and, and basically do a cease and desist for any negative imaging of like a, a black Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, shit, why don't I create the movie? And then once I was creating a movie, I didn't like the direction of what Hollywood was taking the movie. And I was like, you know what? Why can't he be Mickey Mouse? Why can't he just be a hero character, a DJ, somebody positive, somebody that's great for kids, you know, somebody who can rap, somebody who can, like, talk about sneakers and, like, where, where where is that Where's that cartoon hero, right? right? Where is that superhero that can relate to what my kids are about to experience, right? As multicultural kids, as black, you know, they mix with black, white, and and Brazilian. You know what I mean? And so Disney don't, they got Coco, you know? And then they give us (laughs) Black Coco ain't black, though. Yeah, and then they give us Princess and the Frog. And so, you know, I started looking at Disney and started doing a deep dive on Disney and saying, what if I could create content for the majority right? Which people call the minority, right? So I don't have to make a lot of it. I just have to be able to celebrate who I am, who we are as a culture, and then be able to do that for, you know, Latinos, Indians, uh, people in the Middle East, you know what I mean? Um, You know, everybody should have the opportunity to celebrate themselves, right? And find a hidden treasure and find positive stories and bring it together. And so that's pretty much like the story of Black Santa. And now uh, turn that into the, now the company is You Wish and Black Santa is our hero character. So You Wish is my Disney, Black Santa is my Mickey Mouse. That is dope. That is real dope. Get into the party. Let's get to the party. (laughs) Top three parties you ever been to in LA? You can include, yeah, UCLA as well. We're not just limiting this to Uh, NBA stuff. Big man on campus at UCLA. You got some stories there. Top three. This is difficult. This is very difficult. Okay. I would say top three. I threw two of the top three. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Right. Go ahead. Bro. Uh, Why was it the illest? And who was in attendance so our people, our fans could know? Um, all right, so I would say, like, if I was say, Puffy, Puffy, like, probably the first Puffy L.A. party that I went to was just stupid. Shout out to Puffs, Shout Rock, to they Puff. do it big. Oh, my God, this was, like, even before like the Rock days, mm. dude. This was just, like, man, it was crazy. It was, like, basically everybody in Hollywood, right? everybody in music, and I was, like, one of the I was like the only athlete there, like mm. uh, me and Shaq probably because right. he was with the Lakers. But uh, you talking about, you know, Jan in there prime, Halle Berry was there. You talking like who, who, whoever was there, right? Bust Rhymes, this dude, that dude, right? Michael Jackson was there. I met Michael Jackson at Puffy <laughs> Party. <laughs> Shout out to Mike the Goat. <laughs> Shout out to Mike. Michael Rest Jackson in peace. Yep, I, I ran into Michael Jackson at a Puffy Party, and I when I shook his hand. I realized his hands was twice the size as mine. What? Dog. What? How tall is Mike? Like 6'4". What? Dog. 6'4"? Jackson 6'4"? Twice the size of your hands? How tall is Michael Jackson? Look at that. He got to be like 6'2". He was like, man, he was right. We like, dog, his hands though, kid. Watch his hands, yo. That's wow. wow. Like, you know, when you shake a dude's yeah, hand, yeah. no, nah, it was like, it, yeah, I was like, yo! I was like, yo! Damn, he just right. like, he just cuffed my whole hand, right. bro. Five foot nine. Is he? Five foot nine. <laughs> so, five nine. so he's five yo, foot nine, he's got hands on the side. Was this, how good hey. was this party? Hey. <laughs> how good was the party? Mike was in He's only five nine? That's bullshit. Yo! 
That party must have been Man, crazy. This wasn't that side of Halloween party, was no it? No way Michael Jackson is 5'9". How good was the party? That party was crazy. Nah, that's presence. That just goes to show you. Right. That just goes to show you presence. Yeah. Right. right. I thought this dude was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, my height. Michael Jackson. That just shows right. you how big his Mike. hands were. His hands were that big, though. Right. I didn't know he was 5'9". Damn, dude. Larger than life presence. You're right. It's Mike. I felt like I was right. looking up to him, dude. That's all I can remember. And I, But me shaking his hand, that fucked me up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, damn. When he shook my hand, I was like, damn. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he won. He caught, you know, because yeah. that was when people was telling you, yeah. turn the palm yeah. over and all that. Yeah. Man, when I, when, he, when I put my hand out, his hand was so big. Right. When he... I was done. I was like looking up at right. him, like, you know, I guess. Right. Or looking down and thinking I was looking up. <laughs> All right, that's the first party. The that's the first party. That's the second one. The second one was when I was in uh, college. Okay. So, uh, how was it going to UCLA? Sick. <laughs> sick. So, I had my party at the Roxy. I had just turned 18. <laughs> <laughs> I had just turned 18. I had the Roxy. I had it blocked up. Oh, shit. Nah, I take that back. Well, uh, I had a party at the Roxy. The party spilled into the middle of sunset. Oh, uh, I can't remember who was there, but I'm sure a lot of people was there. We was all young, right. so it was just like the whole like you know, because I grew up with with a lot of like people in LA. So everybody who like famous now or super famous now, like it's know, it was just a regular. Homie. Yeah, 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 it's regular. Yeah, it's like oh shit, like they still the homies yeah. too. It's like I get it, like I get you know, but it's it's weird because like. We kind of all got a sense of some fame, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. a lot of people like were way more famous than me, but it's just like that's crazy. You still know right. them from like elementary, right. like so nothing changed. Uh, my draft party was crazy. Mm-hmm. I had that at uh, across the street from Boa. Uh, what is that place called now? But that's they basically it blocked off Sunset. The cops came. The helicopter came. And it was so many people trying to get in the club that they just said, fuck it, and start partying in Sunset. So from Boa across the street to Boa, like the streets was just blocked off. Uh, everybody was there. I remember Jamie Foxx was there, and uh, he he had on a white bandana. I remember that back in the day, everybody used to have a bandana. Bandana, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And I remember he had a bandana, and that was the first time, you know, that was the first time it was like, okay, BD got drafted. It was like, all oh, my... All my private school friends and everybody on the west side, but then it was like, oh, <laughs> the hood, the hood, the hood came. Oh my goodness, dude! Oh my goodness! Right. I never forget. Jamie Foxx was like, "Yo, BD, get your boys, get your boys." <laughs> I said, "Dog, just probably take the rag off your head." Right. And, then right. Everybody, yeah. and I was like, "Yo, that's Jamie Foxx, dog." Right. Like, you know, I gotta tell the homies, like, right. you know, because they he looking good. like, "Yo, like, what's up with yeah. homeboy?" I'm like, "Man, that's Jamie right. Foxx. That's Jamie Foxx." Like, damn. Right. I'm like, yo, that's Vanna White. That's so and so. You right. know, like I had to walk them through. Yeah. Because the homies like that, you know, the some wolves of them, is in. They they don't got no off switch. All, yeah. <laughs> all I remember is pulling up and uh we was like in this at the back in the day, it was like a stretch hummer. Yeah. And before I uh got out, you know, it's like cameras, paparazzi, all I see is five or six of my homeboys jump on the front of the car. Boom! And they like shaking the car. Get y'all, we made it! We made it! Motherfuckers was like, that's why they call it. I guess that's why they was calling the cops and shit. <laughs> but it was just my homies. Right, right, right. Uh, just the homies. Yeah. And then I would say my uh, the best party I threw is I blocked off uh, Rodeo Drive. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And I had Stevie Wonder perform. We had like a nice little casino night. It was hella lit. I don't think <laughs> I think I'm only the third person in LA history to block off Rodeo Drive right. to have a private party. Um and that, you know, it was yeah. just super fly. Me and Paul Pierce did it. Right. Uh, you know, it was uh it was called the LA Stars Weekend. We mm-hmm. did it with all the basketball players. And uh, for me, I wanted to just honor like all the dudes who hooped in LA and all the young dudes that was coming about. So I just was like, fuck it, man. Let's go to Beverly Hills. Let's block off Rodeo. And, you know, let's do something super duper 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 high end. Right. And it worked. Stevie Wonder came through, blessed us, started performing. Yeah, I big. was hella that's like, big. yeah, I was just like kind of like way too wise beyond my years. And, yeah. you know, 
It was just like, I, I just love like old classic music and it was just trying to bring that kind of, that Vegas mob setting, but it was like outside, Rodeo Drive. It was, it was, it was right. nice. That's one of the great questions of all time. How much did Kansas pay to get Paul Pierce? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know. They probably paid a lot though. Yeah. Um, One thing <laughs> yes. I want to talk about is the respect that you have amongst your peers in, in America, but I like to keep it West Coast because you're from there. Yeah. And one thing we don't have in New York is that camaraderie amongst each other. Yeah, I think it's it's the OGs, right? Right. It's the OGs, yeah, right. It's the OGs, man. And, 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 and for me, it was like, I ain't going to be no bigger than the next dude who come going to be bigger than me. You feel what I'm saying? So even when I was in the league, I remember, you know, working out with James Harden when he was a junior in high school. And... When he was a junior in high school, he was like the only dude in the gym that wanted to guard me or would guard me. And I was like, dude, you going pro. You gonna, you know, you're gonna do this and that. And basically I just like before they even made it, dude, gave them dudes the pedestal, you know, and and just gave them the attention that they need and, and even even submit. Right, even in the prime of my career, all star, height of my game, I always try and kick it with them. Cause there was a future, Darrell Wright, Pooh Jetter, Bobby Brown. It was just like when we went to New York, you know, them dudes were still in college. You know what I mean? And like, you know, colleges and shit like that, they be tripping. You can't do nothing for the kids, so fuck it. Let's get the G, let's get the G twelve. Let put them all on the G twelve, so can't nobody say shit. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody find out nothing. Right. And you know, it was like. I did that for them so they can see what it was to fly private. So it was like nothing, nothing. When you know, they so get it's in their reach, right, yeah. Right. Because you know, you in LA, you don't get to see nothing, right? So you're like, man, let's go to New York, let's go to Rodale, let's see it, like let's see all this shit because y'all the next wave. And once it's, once I make it easy, y'all gonna make it easier for me. Right. You know what I mean? Now, um, you know, got to wrap this thing up. So Felix. Well, before we sign off here, we're just going to give a quick shout-out to Sportsbet, who, in partnership with the NBL, are offering one lucky fan a chance to be the 13th player on their NBL team. And, Corey, if someone can hit a downtown shot and get their ass on maybe the Cairns roster, they might get a win. That would be epic. Could That's you imagine it. just a fan just getting that opportunity? That would be Shit, awesome. Shit, they might play better defense than Melo Trimble. That's dope. There. That's for sure. <laughs> but all you got to do is upload a shot from downtown. So we want distance on these things. We don't uh -huh. want you shooting a free throw. Right. Fuck that. Right. I want you lobbing that ball over your house, into the driveway, off the back of the car, and into the hoop. And if you do do that, make sure you tag... Hashtag SB Downtown on Instagram. Go on to the Sportsbet website looking for more details. But Sportsbet giving a real great opportunity right now. It, does, does that bet extend to the U.S.? Because I know about 100 dudes that would love to be on an NBL team. Well, that would hey, be that spot hey, we'll that from, uh, from the freeway, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I trick shots from the freeway. Get on the team? What? Right. You got to crack it like that. <laughs> yeah, that's Jackie Moon right, right. there. That's Jackie, right. that's Jackie <laughs> well, that's all we got time for today, Shout BD. To bed, thanks man. for coming in. Thanks, Amazing, you, appreciate it, homie. Awesome. Already, man. Right on. <laughs>